0: Hello, and welcome to She Speaks Too, the podcast where we share the stories of African-Americans who have made an impact in their communities from the South Carolina Lowcountry and beyond. I am your host, Patricia Bligeon-Jones. Join us on She Speaks Too. Good afternoon, Mrs. Beulah Jeffries, Washington. How are you?
1: Good afternoon, Reverend Jones. I am doing very well. Thank
0: you for joining us today. Listen, um, before we get into the interview, I want people to know that you're a retired educator, a retired teacher, and that you taught me in grade school. And I want people to know that um, under your tutelage, I learned so much. It was under your um, tutelage that I had a growing affection for acting. I don't know if you remember, but every time we would put on plays like for Black History Month or for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, you always gave me the longest parts. Do you remember that?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Okay, okay, good. So, come on, let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what was life like for you growing up in Gaffney, um, and what made you fall in love with
1: education? Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Pat, for this interview, and... um I just want to say the first thing, that I saw something in you, and that's why I always chose you mm-hmm. to uh, take these long parts, because I know that you would do an excellent job, and you, you did an excellent job with it. Um, my name is Beulah Jeffries Washington, and um, I grew up in Gaffney, South Carolina, the third child in the family of James and Fanny May. Dover Jeffries. I had, um, there were four of us, my brother, the oldest, James Jr., um, my sister, next, Geraldine, and then Bueller, and Mabel. Um, We grew up in a little section called Indian Hill with other family members. My father's siblings and their children, and it was one big village along with cousins and uh, other friends in the community there. I attended Grenard Elementary and high school. We had the buildings all there in one site uh, High Elementary one area and the high school in the next area. So wow, all on the
0: same campus.
1: All on the same campus. Interesting. And it was it was wonderful, uh, and we, my first few years of school, maybe about four years, we had to walk to school. Wow. And it was about two miles or two and a half miles, but we enjoyed that because we had so many children from our community. Walking to school in the same grades with you and everything, and we would look for the fights in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> like, uh, all kids do. like
1: all kids, you know, we know who's going to do this and who's going to do that. Um, but after fourth grade, uh, we before that, the, uh, Caucasians had a bus, and they would ride the bus. They drove the bus, and they would throw things at us uh, you know and call us names and everything Mm -hmm. and our parents told us don't worry about it we're going to school to get an education and one day we'll be there right with them so uh, after a few years uh, they decided to give buses for us the black children in the area however we had to go to the school there was an elementary school within your uh, district? within my district We had to go there and get the bus and go to school.
0: Let's go. Let's go back. Let me Mm -hmm. interrupt you just for a quick second. Um, Let's go back to uh, white children throwing things at you and Mm -hmm. you know hurling insults at you. As a child, I mean, how do you process that? How did you process it? How did it make you feel?
1: Well, you know, as usual as children, you would get angry and whatnot. But what could you do about it? But in our home, our parents taught us that these kinds of things, you know, would happen. And the only thing that you do is just continue moving and go move forward because you're not going to school to satisfy them or anything. You're going to school to get an education. So they instilled that in us. And so that's just what we, we did. And um, when I got to uh, high school, now my and I, the um, high school for white students and the elementary school, was about a mile and a half from the house where I lived. Uh, but we could not go to that school. We had to go further. And then um, we went to high school, and graduated from high school, from Grenade High School. Um, and I had a wonderful time, wonderful years, there at Grenade. I uh, was on the student council.
0: I can so see that.
1: Yes. Um, I always wanted to be a teacher and there was one teacher in particular that uh, I liked a great deal and she seemed to like me mm-hmm. and I told her that uh, I want to be a teacher and I'm never going to be anything else but a teacher and uh, she told me that I could go forward you know and she sort of like took me and tutored me she took me home with her to take care of her child and did so many things for me. You know, she was my home economics teacher. And uh, I just uh, decided that, you know, I would go to school to become a teacher. That's good that you had a mentor. I had a mentor. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was growing up, my cousins, uh, my sister and I would play, you know, as children usually play. And for some reason or another, they would select me to be the teacher. Most of the time. Because they saw it in you. And I would just gather up books. I always loved to read. I would gather up books or whatever I could find, you know. I'd get the rocks you use for my math class.
0: (laughs) I can so see you doing that. Yeah, I can see you doing
1: that. (laughs) Right. And just whatever objects I could find. And we just, we would sit there for hours and play school and whatnot. Mm. So that was something that was very... uh, Uh, interesting for me. And also in high school, I was in the French club. I love French very much. Do you still
0: speak it or?
1: Uh, Not fluently, I can speak some, but not fluently. Um, I was the class president of the class in 10th grade. I can so see that one. um, Always a leader. Secretary of the class, library club, and I can't think of any others, yeah. you know, several other things, you know, that I did. Miss, um, I was an attendance for Miss Homecoming one year, and um, we attended the football games and the basketball games in our areas. We had plays and whatnot, and, and I was always in the play. Wow, was, look at uh, that. I was always selected uh, to be a member of, to play, have a part in, in the play, and we had these in the springtime. Um, and um, let me see what else. Uh, our uh, crops in Gaffney. I didn't uh, grow up on a farm. I grew up in the, I wouldn't say the city, a small town. And uh, we had my family, my mother's family, especially farmed cotton and whatnot. But the main crop in Gaffney is peaches, and people. Pe- peaches okay. uh, like in the latter part of July, and it's known as the Little Peach Town. There is a large um, monument now that sits there in Gaffney as a peach. And our saying is, whenever people ask us, what is life like in Gaffney, we say, life is a peach.
0: <laughs> That's cute, I like that. Wow, well, I never knew that. Yes. I never knew that. Your old high school, is it still in existence or is it?
1: Uh, Yet, it's not in existence, but they use it for a senior citizen program now, okay. yes. Uh, back in the 80s, I suppose, they consolidated the schools. And uh, um, it was a junior high school for a while. And then um, it's it's a senior citizen program now. Yeah, Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. So from, from your high school days to Barbara, Scotia? Yes. Uh, for your college um, mm-hmm. years. Talk to us about that. What was it like you know, going away to college, away from your family, and, and you don't have to say what year, but mm-hmm. within that time period. Yeah,
1: okay. Uh, going to Barbara, what actually happened, I wanted to go to another school, another college, but I had a sister at Barbara Scotia. My oldest sister was there. And my father liked Barber Scotia so much, I suppose, because uh, it wasn't quite co-ed. <laughs> I see. And uh, so he told me that, you know, I would be going to Barbara Scotia. And I told him, no, I'd like to go to another college.
0: Where did you want to go?
1: Well, I actually wanted to go to South Carolina State.
0: Hmm. And why did he object to that? Too far?
1: Well, no, he said he had two... Uh, children in school, and limited income. And uh, actually, he worked for someone that was Presbyterian. And uh, this is what happened. And let me back up to say tell you about my church experience. Sure, sure. Uh, growing up, I grew up in a Baptist church in Gaffney. And uh, my father was uh, a deacon in the church. And uh, my mother sang on the choir, she did the solos. We were in church every Sunday and it seemed like we were the first ones to get there and we all other the programs that they had in the church we were there and it was quite an experience. But um, we we had different churches in our area and we would go to Bible school and other programs that they had at the other churches. mine and I the closest church to me was the Presbyterian church where I lived it was How on the about next that? street. Right. And we started going to Bible school to the Presbyterian church. And I really liked that so much. I got so much out of it, uh, you know, going there. Right. And so we went there and we went to other churches as well. And I said to myself one day, you know, I'm gonna become a Presbyterian. Not really knowing. That,
0: that you would one day, right. you become Presbyterian. Right.
1: Awesome. So uh, we did that. So I went to Barbara Scotia. I didn't like it at first. I called my dad and told him I did not like it. I wanted to come home and get me a job and go to work. And so he told me he asked me. He said if you just stay there until Thanksgiving. He said I've already, you know, paid everything for you. And if you stay there until Thanksgiving, when you come home, we can discuss it and uh, see and if you don't like it, you can uh, you know, you can stay at home. And I said, "Oh, okay." So I started meeting friends. Mm. And 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 just start doing different things on campus, becoming involved in some of the activities that they had there. And I've always loved Sunday school church and uh, the Wednesday night programs that they had. And it just it grew on me. Right. But I went home for Thanksgiving. I forgot all about it.
0: And I think your the dad knew that you would, or you would change your mind. Yes. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to give it time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm uh, kudos to him for even. Uh, most parents would say you're gonna stay and finish. I mean, he, right. didn't take a, he didn't take that, you know, that stance. It was like, Beulah, why don't you do this?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And you did it, and it worked out. It, it was a win-win for both of you. It was, yeah. it was. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, I just thank God for that, and I thank my parents, uh, because they believed in me and know that, you know, I could do it and whatnot. So I stayed there at Barbara Scotia College and, and got involved in uh, different activities and whatnot. Um, And after graduating from uh, Barbara, Scotia, I got a job in North Carolina, uh, Rutherford, North Carolina. Teaching school? Teaching school. Um, The strangest thing, I was a librarian. My, uh, well, it was part of that year. It wasn't all, the entire year. And then I got, started teaching third grade. And I liked that so much. uh, I was in your
0: third grade class. Yes, you were. Yes, Yes, you were. (laughs) I remember that.
1: And uh, I I taught there for two years, and then we got married and came to Eddystone. So
0: you and Reverend McKinley met while you were working in North Carolina. How did you all come? Uh,
1: We met uh, while I was in college at uh, Barbara Scotia. Oh, all right. And how we met is that my friend was from Eddie Island, South Carolina, my roommate. Can uh, we give her name? Yep, sure. Ms. Gladys Smalls. And we were very close, and she would go home with me on the weekends and everything. And she was dating this young man from Eddie as well. And who was that? And that was Reverend Robert Bladgen. Oh, wow. All right. So Reverend Robert told uh, McKinley that he had someone he wanted him to meet. And
0: that is
1: adorable. McKellen was dating another young lady at Barbara Scotia.
0: Uh-uh.
1: Yes, and uh, she was a friend of mine. And so um, we he introduced, they came to our house. We were, went home that weekend, Gladys and I went to my home. And they, Reverend Washington and Reverend Blodgen came by the house and uh, <clears throat> we just started you know, being friends from there. I, I believe that was the end of my sophomore, junior year, I believe it was, yeah, junior year in college. Oh, oh. And that's how we met. And um, the rest is history.
0: Yes it is, what, 50, how many 56 years?
1: 56 years. 56
0: years of marriage, right, awesome. Right, and What I, longevity, what a blessing.
1: I, I always tell people we're still on the honeymoon. Oh. And and my friend tells me, it's in your mind. I said, as long as it's there, I keep it there.
0: There you go, there
1: you go. And uh, after college, well anyway, yeah, I was there and then we got married and um, I came to Addisdale Island. And the first year I was there, I uh, did not get a job. Uh, I think I was too late uh, Applying for a position, and uh, what happened? One, one of the teachers got sick at J J&A, it was Miss Simmons, and she was going to be out for the rest of the year, and that was about just before Christmas, right. and she was going to be out the rest of the year. So, I can't remember the principal, but the principal asked me to come and you know and continue uh, the rest of the year. And I did that.
0: And that's how you got started in Charleston County Schools. Yes.
1: And uh, I had an offer at Minnie Hughes for the next year. And I liked Jane Edwards so much, and it was close, right at home, I right could walk home. to school. Right. So um, I accepted the position at Jane Edwards, and I taught there for um, 18 years at Jane Edwards.
0: Gosh, it seems longer. I think it was longer
1: than 18.
0: It may have been
1: longer. Um, (laughs) Uh, Wait a minute. It could have been longer than 18 years. And uh, I I had some wonderful days there with the students because I like the idea of living in a community with your students and being able to uh, see them. And not only that, by being in the church there with uh, so many of the students and Having that contact with the parents,
0: right?
1: It made it something special, you know, for me. Yeah. And um,
0: well, back then it was really good because, I, and I tell people to this day, you know, my Sunday school teacher was also my grade school teacher. Right. You know, and that I think having that continuity and having that village um, to like mold and shape, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, children, I think that's really, really important, and we don't see a lot of that now. No, you don't. We
1: don't see a you lot of that, now. that. I mean, now. just mm-hmm.
0: it's a whole new ballgame.
1: And so going to Eddie Stowe, uh, uh, it was sort of hard at first, you know. I
0: was going to ask, what kind of culture shock was it for you? It I mean, was.
1: It was really a culture shock because the first time I, I came to Eddie Stowe, went to Eddie rather. rather. Um, I wasn't married. My friend Gladys was home, and I decided to come down one weekend to visit with her. And my husband was a student pastor at the church at that time. Right. So I decided, and let me tell you, coming to Edisto and seeing that moss, it frightened me.
0: Wow. <laughs> Why is that? Was that your first time ever seeing moss? Uh, no. I had
1: been to Charleston before. Okay. But it was just a cultural shock for me.
0: I'm sure it was and, coming from Gaffney. Right. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. And, and, and the bridge was another thing for me. I I was actually afraid of that bridge. A lot of I people would, were. I would dream about that bridge at night, Uh, lie awake at night and think about going back and forth over that bridge, but I didn't tell anyone about it because mm-hmm. I just had to work it out for myself.
0: Right.
1: So that, that was, it was something different, you know, for me and Seeing the large farms on Eddie Stowe was uh, something that was, right, and, and the strangest thing, I um, never worked in a field or anything before.
0: Well, you're blessed, because I
1: can <laughs> tell you some stories. I can tell you some stories. So I wanted to go in the field and work like the other people on Eddie Stowe. I wanted to do what and they no were And no one doing.
0: tried to tell you no? No one just no tried one to persuade no. you?
1: So there was uh, this, this like, Mr. Eunice Richards and her husband had a garden, a big garden, and they had beans in the garden. And uh, I told her I wanted to come to her house and pick some beans, you know, go in the field, have that experience, you know. So I went there, Uh, it was hot. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what month, but it was hot. And I went there and I got in the field and I started perspiring. And so she was all the way out to end of the row Mm -hmm. and I was still right. So I right said there, you would never cut out for field work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I told her that.
1: I didn't get halfway of the fee- of the row. I told her I was going home. <laughs> and what did she say? She probably wasn't surprised. She wasn't uh, surprised. She said you. She said you kept standing there looking at your fingernails and your hands and everything. I said because I didn't want to get anything on my hands, and I've always been that way. Right. I right. always like to keep my hands and nails clean. You. Yeah. So I left and I went home, and. uh I didn't ever go back in that field.
0: It only takes once. You only need the yeah. lesson
1: once. My husband is uh, a farmer from his heart. He loves to go outside and he likes it. So we had a garden next door to us, uh, next to the mats on Eddie's Stowe. And uh, he asked me one day to come out there to help him. Um, I don't know if it was planting or something, because he said it was going to rain and he needed my help. Mm-hmm. And I told him, okay. So I was so happy to get to go out there in the garden. I went out there, and he gave me a hole and told me to uh, dig a hole for something, tomatoes or something. And so I told him, okay. And he was digging fast and going, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was—I stood there, and I dug this one hole. I was still digging when he came back. And he came back, and he looked at me, and he said, "Well, holes did you dig? I said, I, that's You're it. You're still right working on that one. Hole. He said, I didn't ask you to dig a grave. <laughs> that's so, funny. So that was it, I just didn't do, do it again, I didn't do it again. But um, I know how to go in the garden now and I know how to go in there and gather the products and bring them in the home. I, I do that now whenever he um, goes in the garden, but I don't usually help in it. But it's an experience and anything. But back to um, teaching, it was an experience for me and I loved it, I look forward to going to school you know, every day with That's my in ministry,
0: I look forward to going to the church right. every day.
1: And and uh, one thing that I always told my students, and I don't know whether you remember, I said, you know, don't let anybody tell you you can't do things because you can do anything you want to do. I remember you saying that. You can be anybody you want to be. You can go any of the places you want to go. It's up to you. So uh, I have so many students that come back and tell me these days, Miss Washington, you were right, and. Uh, I was very strict on students with writing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, today, I look at my grandchildren writing, I can hardly read it.
0: Well, it's hard because they don't, some schools, most schools don't teach cursive anymore.
1: They don't teach cursive. Yeah, they don't teach cursive. And I was all into writing and cursive. And uh, a few years back, I got this letter from this young man that's been in the service, made a career out of the service. And he said, Mrs. Washington, I'm so blessed and I am so grateful to you because uh, you made me, you, you taught me how to spell and you taught me how to write. And he said, I'm an officer in the service now. And he said, and that's what I do a great deal of the time. And I right. just wanted to write you and let you know how grateful I am to you, uh, you know, for helping me along the way. That's a blessing to yes.
0: have, you know, former students come back and say, hey, I appreciate right. everything, you know, mm-hmm. that you did. I, you know, and a lot of times, When we're in it, while we're learning, we don't realize the value Mm -hmm. um, or the strategy that teachers are using to try to make us successful and Mm -hmm. um, give us that confidence to go out and, you know, and do well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's in hindsight. Right. uh, Because like you said, you were strict and you were no nonsense. Oh my gosh, (laughs) you were no nonsense. But when you look back on it, you realize it was for our own good. It was not to harm, but it was
1: to help. To help. Right. Right. And you didn't appreciate it then. Right. Because... Sometimes uh, the students would talk about you or leave a note with no name on it, you know, to say that I don't like you or something, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, you just take that note and you pray over it. That's what you do. Ask God to bless them and whatnot. But uh, my days were teaching were very good days, and I was able to uh, just to do the things that I wanted to do. And uh, I was got involved in the church. Um, we had started out with three churches and I said, Lord, how are we going to make this here? Yeah. And uh, then we ended up with two and then one. And uh, I worked in, in the churches and became an elder, ruling elder. Was chairperson of the uh, deacon board mm-hmm. and Sunday school. Worked with Presbyterian women, moderator. Chairperson of uh, church education. Uh, and I even tried to be play the organ sometimes you didn't try <laughs> you were a very um, good
0: musician you were fantastic you were very um, you could read and play by ear yes and so you were very accomplished then and I'm sure if you had a piano here you have I one over playing. there yes you could still play you were an awesome musician thank you um, thank you, you I learned a lot um, from choir rehearsal mm. because you directed us along with Miss Smith and Miss um, Eileen Woods yes you are very, very good. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. Um, looking at the education system back then, compared to now, wh- what are some of the differences that you see, if any?
1: Okay, there is a difference uh, in the education uh, system. And uh, <clears throat> uh, then we use books then, but they're using the computer now. Mm-hmm. And that makes it in technology now. and uh, I just, you know, uh, children had to learn the multiplication tables. They have calculators and everything that they're using these days. They're not learning that. You had to learn about the 50 states. You had to learn uh, the capitals of the 50 states. You had to learn the preamble of the Constitution and whatnot. But the students are not learning that. You could do the prayers in the school uh, then. You could have your devotion in the mornings with your students but you don't have any of that. And I'm one of those that believe whenever they took the prayers out of school, Mm -hmm. they took everything else out uh, with it. And uh, uh, these days, the children, uh, now, they are, I wouldn't say they're not getting what the children got back those days, but it's in a different way. And uh, uh, when, also, you had a dress code, more or less, you don't have a dress code, you know, uh, these days. Uh, some days, and I hate to say this, you don't know the students from the teachers sometimes. But uh, it's a big difference, a great big difference, yes.
0: Tell me about being a preacher's wife. You don't have to tell me everything, <laughs> but just tell us a little bit about that experience of being, you know, an educator in a community, who
1: just happens to be married to a preacher in the community? Okay, um, I uh, it's the strangest thing because growing up, I always said I don't think I want to marry no preacher. <laughs> uh, I watched my preaching, my preacher's wife in church and everything, and I, they had an excellent relationship. But I just you know didn't want to marry a preacher. So when I met uh, uh, McKinley, he said that he was going into, he was already in seminary when I met him, and he told me that he was going to become a minister, you know, and everything. So well, I don't know about that, but uh, wow. it, you know. Did it, it
0: frighten you though? When you no, it
1: did not, it did not frighten me. I didn't, I didn't know, I said, I don't know what it takes to be a minister wife, but the only thing that I want to do is to do good, to um, be there for him, to work with him, in whatever area he needed me uh, to work with him in, and to always, my father always told me, whatever you need is right there, just go to the Lord in prayer, and that's what I've done over the years. It's been a faithful journey. It's been a great journey over the years. It hasn't always been uh, cookies and pies. There have been thorns in my side sometimes. For all of but, us. but. Uh, I learned to, um, you know, to live with it. Uh, I think that we, we one thing that we do together, we we talk together, we meditate, uh, McKinley and I, and uh, we um, we just, you know, just sort of like, so I told myself we're sisters and brothers instead of husband and wife sometimes. But we just had that relationship, you know, throughout the years, and he felt free Talking to me about uh, things, and um, he would ask sometimes my opinion on something, and I would, you know, give him my opinion and whatnot. And uh, uh, as far as working with the members in the church, you're not going to all all of them are not going to like you. And I hate to say it that way, but no, it's true. it's true. They're not all going to like you and everything. But you know, I do like Dr. Martin Luther King said. I just love to hate out of those, you know, what yes. uh, Whatnot, But uh, it's been a great journey. Yeah,
0: and I tell people all the time, um, you really have to get to a place where you're seeing people in the spirit, right? and not in the flesh. Yeah. Because if you respond out of the flesh, mm-hmm. it's always gonna go sideways, right. and you, there'll be some things that you say or do that you will not be able to walk back.
1: Right. And right. so
0: I always try, when I'm engaged with people, I'm really listening for what's coming out of the heart, right? Right, you know. Mm -hmm. And if it's if it's something that's really, because a lot of people have, you know, hurt,
1: you know, past Mm -hmm. hurt,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they they don't know how to process it, Mm -hmm. and as a result, it comes out the wrong way. Mm -hmm. But um, if you deal with them in the spirit,
1: but uh, it's been great. The members have been uh, wonderful. I mean, they help us to raise our children, and. I couldn't ask for a better congregation than Eddie Stowe Presbyterian Church Congregation. And uh, ap- after that, he went to Hebrew Zion, mm-hmm. the same there. And it's, it's just been a wonderful journey for us, just great.
0: You all have been blessed. Um, you've been blessed in so many ways. Yes. Just blessed all around. Um, what would you tell young people who desire to go into education, but because the system is kind of not where it should be, and the pay is not where it should be. How do you encourage them?
1: Well, I feel that, uh, you know, if you want to go in education, if this is your desire, it has to be something that you really want to do. You know, this is my career. I have worked up until this point, and this is what I want to do. You're not gonna look at those dollars out there because they are not there for you in education. You got to be humble and you must know that this is something exactly that what I want to do. It's I appalling. want to do it for the students. I see something in these children and I want to do something to help them more or less. And so that's the only thing that I would say is that you got to want to do this You know, from your heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. You
0: have to be passionate about it. It's it's like any job. It's a calling.
1: It's a calling. It's a calling. I mean, you would do it
0: even if you didn't get paid a dime for it. That's right. It's truly a calling. What do you tell people? You've been married for 56 years. You and Reverend McKinley. What do you tell people who are getting married, planning on getting married, have been married, they've not made it to the seven-year mark? Mm -hmm. What do you tell people about what needs to happen in order for you to have longevity in your relationship, in your marriage?
1: The first word is communication. Let it stay open. Uh, and, and, and over the years I've had so many young ladies to come to me and, and I'm so grateful I've saved several marriages. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, y- you've got to have a line of communication right? and you got to listen to each other. It's not a one-sided thing. You, you got to listen to him, he has to listen to her. Mm-hmm. And you try to do whatever you have to do, if you can do it together, that's very important. Wow. Sharing what you have to do together. And uh, being able to talk things out among uh, each other. Uh, you can't just say, well, I was right, I was right you know and sometimes when you sit and talk it out then you look at it you were the one that was wrong there you go and but and you have to admit sometimes you, have to admit that you're wrong. you got to say I'm sorry mm-hmm. sometimes and sometimes that's not in our vocabulary to say I'm sorry uh, we have stubborn people mm-hmm. and they're not going to say I'm sorry you know uh, right away but I say, it, I'm, I say I'm sorry, and my husband tells me he's sorry. So uh, I think that that's a line of communication. And uh, I don't know, make it 56 years, um, you know, we've had chances, that uh, opportunities that we're, probably we could have gone the other way as well. But we saw in each other and cared enough about each other that this is what we want to do in life. And,
0: beautiful.
1: Yes. Beautiful. beautiful.
0: A lady told me a long time ago, you have to decide: is it more important to be right, or is it more important to be happy? Right. And as soon as you can um, figure out your happiness, you know, mm-hmm. comes first. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier for you to, you know, right. just keep moving through.
1: And um, I think the um, hardest part was. Uh, My husband being in Columbia, um, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say really hard, but you know, we had the children here, Mm -hmm. and I had to do a great deal more. But he was there all the time, because he did not miss a night or anything. He would always call them, talk to them, and do whatever he could. If it was something, um, a play, or something that they were going to be in. On Thursday or something he would be there or even if he had to drive back from Columbia uh, during the week to be a part of the programs that they were in in school and whatnot so you know that was that was something good but it's just that um, you know being away from home was something you know and whatnot but um, we were able to handle it. Mm -hmm.
0: Looking back on everything, your marriage, your life, you know, from the beginning to this point, is there anything you would change?
1: Um, Anything I would change? Marriage, a life? Um, I don't know if it's anything that uh, I would change, but maybe there are some things that I probably did, uh, you know, that I would uh, probably think about, uh, more or less, um, I was involved in a lot of things in the community, and um, sometimes there were times that I really thought that I would I would have a meeting, but then my children needed to be going, go, need to go some places for their meetings and things that they were involved in, and I would not have been so involved in all of these other meetings. Uh, then, you know, uh, now, don't get me wrong, I was right there with them all the time and everything, for everything for them, but, uh, I would not have been so involved in a lot of meetings and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and you know, oftentimes when we overextend ourselves, it's our families yeah, that
1: tend to true. suffer. And when you don't know how to say no, um, you know, and you just continue taking on, uh, things and whatnot, and, uh. So that that's about the only thing that I can think of, because other than that, I mean, I've just, I've enjoyed life, and I'm still enjoying it.
0: That's good. How many? I know you all have traveled extensively. Um, is there any place that you desire to go, or a place that you've already already visited that um, you learned something new about yourself, about the world?
1: Um, Hawaii stands out for me. Tell us about it. Um, we went to Hawaii, uh, uh, our 25th anniversary. And we had some friends to go with us. The young man was the mayor of Georgetown and some other friends went. And it was just uh, the culture there different from uh, from here. In what ways? Um, I, I actually like, well, I like the way they speak. Beak. I like their food, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Where is it oh, we went to the Big Island there, and um, in Hawaii, and um, I got so much out of the tour touring there. We went to the pineapple factory, but that was not on the Big Island and everything. And um, you know when I was in school, a student. I remember them here and talking about on one side of the island it rains and the other side the sun is shining. We had a chance to uh, visit that. But uh, it just—it was just something about Hawaii that I, I liked the weather there and um, something that just, it was just great. Mm-hmm.
0: So, okay. Um, what do you think about what's going on right now in the world, with the pandemic, uh, the civil unrest, with the protesters, issue of police brutality, income inequality—I mean, the list goes on and on. Just tell me when to yes. stop. What are your thoughts? I mean, what how, what do you say to the young people that are marching, um, just for fair treatment, just mm-hmm. for—I uh, mean, marching because they want the world to see their humanity. Mm-hmm. They want to be treated fairly. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, um, you know, we are in, um, uh, you just look today at the fires, you look at the hurricanes, you look at the virus, you look at the police brutality, the killing and everything. And we have all of these young folks out there and they want to see a change. But it's not going to come immediately. It's going to take some time. It's going to take time. Uh, And I think that um, what they're doing is important. It's important to them. And it's important to us as well. But let's just take our time and, and do it. And some of us out there are marching and we we just uh, go with the crowd. Right. But before you go out there to march, have something in mind, know what you're marching for, know what you want, know what you want to accomplish, you know, with this and everything. And then when you go out there and march, you uh, know the policemen that are out there and Try not to get so involved and so emotional that things will get out of hand.
0: It's kind of hard to do.
1: And that is very hard, hard, hard mm-hmm. because with the policemen, they have it all set in their minds what they're going to do as well. And it's just, it's just hard. We're just losing too many lives out there yeah. with this. Yeah. We're losing too many of our people out there. And where is it going to stop? Somebody got to get the heads right and think about what's going on. How we're we going to come together? Is it through margin, or is it sitting down, talking together, coming together as a group, and say, "Hey, this is what we need. This is what we're going to do," and whatnot. I always felt that coming to the table to talk—that's just my way that you can get so much done like that uh, than going out there with the bully sticks and everything else. You're going for lives whenever you do things like that. So I pray all the time, every day, day in and day out, Lord, don't let it be another life taken out there like this year because it's just awful out there today.
0: You know, it's a lot and it's very stressful. It is. And and, um, I find myself now having to remind myself to breathe, because sometimes I feel anxious and I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. And then when I look back, I'm like, okay, I saw something on the news that, you mm-hmm. know, really got on my nerves. Right. And um, it, it's so hard, but while we're here, when Reverend Washington, you remember Washington, well, when Reverend Washington came to Edisto first, and he was doing some civil rights work. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you arrived, how, how, did, how did you all plow through um, those times, because I know there were times where he had to really take a stand.
1: Right. Um. um yeah, he was there before uh, I went there, and it was it was really something else when you when we first got Eddie Stowe. You could almost feel the hate, you know, with some of the people and whatnot. There was one a little store on Eddie and for some reason another. Uh, I wouldn't say the people in the store because it wasn't all them. I don't know what it was. I just had a little feeling that someone didn't care for me, you know, or anything. But it didn't bother me because I shopped mostly in Charleston anyway, you know, or either when I go home I'd bring back what I need. But um, it was it was something else there, uh, being there, and uh, he was, uh, McKinley was really involved in, um, everything there and outside as well. I wasn't afraid of anything, but um, several times things occurred at our house there, and you probably know about the case where they did the writing there and I messed up the car and everything. Now, that was one time I was really afraid. And um, one day um, this young man I was Going home from school, and he yelled to me, "Hey, monkey!
0: Are you serious?" Uh And I
1: knew exactly who he Mm -hmm. Uh was—a white young guy. So um, I told his aunt about it, and she told him, you know, his parents about it and everything. But uh, you know, it was frightening. And uh, one other night, one night, I can't remember whether we were living on Eddie's stove or living here, maybe here. Uh, we were in Walterboro at a function one Saturday night, and uh, it must be here because he was a senator and uh, we were at I don't know if an auditorium or someplace, but uh, they sent a message in there. McKinley was a speaker, and they sent a message in there that said that when he' come out of there, what would happen to him and had Katrina and Michael with us and so um I didn't know what was going on at that point, but when we got in the car, I saw all these policeman cars, you know, and they told us to get in the policeman car. Someone else would drive our car home, and we came home in the policeman car, and that was sort of frightening, you know, with the children and everything. Did you all ever know, find out who it was, or uh, no, we didn't find out. Maybe they did, but uh, you know, they didn't tell us. And then one. Uh, morning, one night a neighbor came here. The car was, I think it was burning or something. I don't know whether he told you about the incident.
0: No, he didn't tell me about that.
1: Yeah, Uh, I neighbor. Here at your house in Ravenel. Right, yeah. Um, And the car burned up, burned. Um, He told him that he saw the fire and whatnot. But then uh, they said that it caused, uh, it caught on fire by itself and whatnot. So those were some of the things that sort of frightened me. But through it all, um, you know, God has been with us every step of the way. And um, I'm sure that there were times that things happened to him and whatnot that he didn't share it with me because- To protect and was, you, yeah. and, uh, so you, won't worry. Mm-hmm. you wouldn't worry about it. Right, but uh, you know, it's been great. It's, I just kept myself involved in all those things that I was, uh, you know, involved. With you, I mm-hmm. served on the YWCA board as uh, a member of the YWCA board of directors, mm-hmm. and I was rabbinel town council. I person. remember that. And um, I went to um, um, very active in the Eastern Star and um, organized the uh, Edisto Island Women's Coalition. I mm-hmm. And used to work with the Girl Scouts.
0: Yes, I was a Girl
1: Scout. And uh, right, and Citizen Advisory Board, and Africa Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. AKA, we're we
0: are both proud yes, members. Yes, proud members. Speaking of that, what are your thoughts on Kamala um, being Senator Biden's, well, former Vice President Biden's um, running mate?
1: Well, um, I am happy uh, for Kamala, and I'm happy for women. Uh, because this is a milestone for us. It is. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Kamala uh, becoming the vice president and I know that she's going to represent us very well. She has the knowledge and she's willing and uh, so I think she's going to do a great job. I think that she will be a person that we are going to be proud of if she becomes the uh, vice president.
0: What's your hope for the country?
1: Well, my hope for the country is that uh, we can get together as a people. We're still separated a great deal.
0: Very much so. Um,
1: You know, I look at things that happened back in the time when John Lewis uh, uh, marching, and we stopped marching because we thought we had it made. But we were slipping. And we just slipped back to where we were. And I think that we need to get together. We need to come together as one because as long as we stay apart like this here with the issues and everything, it's going to remain the same. America is a great country. But it's up to us, it is up to the people in this country to make it better or to do the right things. And so many things are going on out there today that are not correct. We see them every day, we hear them and people say, well then I didn't say this here or I didn't do this here or whatnot." And it's right there. We have technology, the television and everything. Where you've spoken and said these things, and, and, and let it be about the people. Not so much, it's not just me, myself, and I all the time. You know, getting the glory for it. We're supposed to help others that's in need. It's too much, it's too many people out there these days that's uh, homeless. It's too many hungry people out there we still have this, you know, going you on. We still have
0: these issues in the 21st Un- century.
1: Employment. And uh, and and the numbers are going up. They're increasing instead of decreasing. What's the problem? What's the problem? We, we, you know, we get it all. We build our own barns and fill our own barns. And while we're looking at other people's struggle down there. And that should not be. That should not be.
0: Mrs. Washington, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the conversation. Um, I'm truly honored to have this time with you. Thanks for joining us this week on She Speaks Too. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at She Speaks Too. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.